we are going to be taking on a question. It's a short question. It doesn't take nearly as much time to answer as the one we looked at, the three we looked at last week. Last week we looked at at three, and that took uh, quite a long time for us to uh, for Jesus to get through the two chapters until we got through all those. But again, the three Gospels covered that, and the three Gospels are going to be covering this same one here. John's the only one who leaves this one out. This is pretty early on in, in Jesus' ministry. But the question was asked of Jesus. It was pretty straightforward. And this question probably produced the most unexpected, the most unlikely miracle that the people of his day had seen. So we're going to take a look at this question. We're going to take a look at the answer. And this is probably the first time that I have really taken a deep dive in this. We've looked at this scripture before, but never uh, going into it quite this deeply. And so we're going to be looking at all three Gospels and how they deal with it, because each one brings out just a few a few uh, different things in this. So uh, now last week we were looking at the, the three questions on the end times, that we have so much great teaching that tells us some things about what Jesus did. And, and uh, one of the video teachings we put up was, of course, Dr. Walbert had uh, some end times things. It's actually a different link than I thought I was putting up for you. I thought I put up one that had a video with it. And when I went to, to look at it again, I said, oh, there's no video with this one. This is the other one. Um, I actually like the teaching on this one better than the one I was going to put up. But the other one had a video. And I thought uh, sometimes you'd like to see that. But the, the teaching there was good. Now, Dr. Walbert is, um, he and I differ on, on, on Rome. So if you were listening to the, if you went through more than the first one, you already know that I was once on that, that place where I thought Rome was the empire to come. Rome, in my opinion, is definitely not the empire that is to come. It will be a different one. And we've, uh, if you've been through the Daniel course that we've done here, and it's up online on the podcast if you want to go check it out. But um, we'll show you very, and using many different scriptures, that it is not a revived Roman empire. It is a revived Islamic empire, which is actually revived from the Grecian empire. The most important thing that we get from the book of Daniel is what happened with Greece. Dr. Wobbert thinks the most important thing is what happens with Rome. But we'll show you. If you haven't been through the Daniel, how many have never been through the Daniel series here? Put it up on the podcast. It's up on the podcast. You don't have to do anything. Just go up there on the podcast and you can get it from there. It's on the end times one. That's going through Daniel. I don't know how many others are up on that one. I'll have to check if, it, if you're through that. But when we get to the to the series, the part on Daniel, there's a reason why God spent so much vision time on Daniel, or sorry, on on uh, Greece. And the reason is because that is the empire that the uh, Antichrist comes from. He comes from the king in the north. And uh, when I was listening to, I was listening to somebody who was teaching on this. Oh, I was listening to one of uh, 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 John Hagee's. And John Hagee is just, you know, the king of the north is Russia. Cannot possibly be Russia. It's just not possible. I don't know how many people still say that. But if you go through all the scripture, you will find it is not possible for the king of the north to be Russia. But people will still teach that. And if you have the wrong teaching, you will have the wrong expectation. So anyway, if anybody get uh, not get through Dr. Walbert, he was the second teaching. He wasn't the, the primary one I put up there. Anybody not get through it? Okay. Um, I had a couple of comments. I don't always get too many comments, but I got a couple of comments back. People said, I actually enjoyed him. <laughs> I love informational teaching. And we went over that in the, in the SALT meeting. I love informational teaching. I don't need all the bells and whistles. 
that, that go along with it, but uh, just as long as you have some good information, and Dr. Walbert always has, and I've appreciated that about, about him. Anyway, we want to get back on to the, the rest of the things. We saw that what happened last week came out of a casual conversation that the disciples were having with Jesus. They were just talking about stuff, and out of that came a question, three questions, for which help us greatly in understanding end times. Always have casual conversations with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. You should always be having this, always talking to the Father. Father, look at this. Talk to him about things you're going through every day. Learn to develop casual conversation with the Father. Talk with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you develop that because it's in those things that you will have questions that come up. You will ask questions. And even more importantly, you will ask questions that will get God's attention and you will hear things. He will speak to you. So talk, listen, ponder, and ask were things we left you with last time. Your learning will never, never stop. Now, we said the five qualities of, of a good question, as far as the Word of God is concerned, faith, trust, patience, contentment, thanksgiving. Went over that again last week. Just blitzing through it here in this one. But here in this uh, scripture, we're going to take on. We're going to see in this one. Last week, we had three questions. This week, we have one question. We have two participants. There are two people that are participating in this. We have three Gospels that cover it. And most, most of the time we see this covered in four verses. Sometimes it's five. One, two, three, four. Way back when we were, I was first putting this series together, something dropped in my spirit. I do not yet have the words to describe it. I've been trying. I actually spent some time over the weekend. All right, I got to nail this thing down. I know what was there. I know what was, was spoken. I have the idea of what was there, but I can't quite put it into English words, into words that comprehend it anyway. This is one reason, one thing I would love to really know Greek because I think if I knew Greek, I could put it in the right words. It's more of a descriptive language than, than English is. But I wrote this down so that it would be there for me when we pick this section of it up. Here's the, here's the thing I wrote down. Again, this is not getting it exactly right. I don't usually try to qualify it this much, but I have to do that because it's not quite there. General answers do not yield specific victories. General answers do not yield specific victories. I spent time writing down some places where people had general answers and people got specific answers, specific things on what they were supposed to do. We're going to dive into this in this series here right now. And we're going to see some of that in this first story. Let's go over here to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. I am going to be bouncing around between the three Gospels. They're going to try and keep up with me back there on the, on the board. I am going to pull in a couple of other translations. Some of these you may not have access to, but if you are desirous of them, I can tell you where to get them. They are very descriptive uh, translations. I use them often, and you know of them. But if you don't have access to them, let me know, and I'll help you get some, some access to them so that you can, you can use them. In Matthew 8, verse 1, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now right there, if great multitudes are following, what's that tell you? They're getting something. They're getting healed. They're getting teaching more than likely they're getting something in the area of physical healing or they expect to when he had come down from the mountain great multitudes followed him 
And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The three Gospels each include different details. Each one uses some different wording in describing the setting, describing the end results. But every single one of them, all three, have this question exactly the same. Not only in the English, but in the Greek. There is no variance in the Greek from Matthew to Mark and to Luke. Once in a while we see something where they heard a little different emphasis and they changed it in the, in the way the person asked it or maybe the person asked a question with more words and they condensed it. But here we have it. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you go to Mark's gospel, if you go to Luke's gospel, it is exactly that way. That's pretty cool. It's a very short question. Lord, if you are willing. His question is, are you willing? Have you ever in your life been in a situation where you know the Word of God has promised something to you? I know that the Word of God has said, this is mine. I should have this. I should walk in this. But I am not. It develops a question on the inside of us. Is God willing to do it for me? I see that He's willing to do it for other people. I have seen other people be healed of this. I have seen other people be ministered in this. I have seen other people come through this. But is he willing to do it for me? That's the question. Is God willing to do it for me? So he is saying, I know that you can do this. But I don't know if you're willing. If you are willing, you can Make me clean. Mark puts it this way one in chapter 1 and verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him. So he gets this a little more detail on some of the things that came, came around there. But the question is the same. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now I go over to Mark some because uh, Kenneth Weist, if you're not familiar with Kenneth Weist, Kenneth Weist, he has a translation for which I will pull some of that out. Uh, he has a uh, breakdown of Greek. He is what I would consider a, a scholar of, of Greek. He knows Greek very, very well. He breaks down Mark. He doesn't break down Matthew, doesn't break down Luke, doesn't break down John. There's a lot of nuances in the Greek language, and the less proficient you are with them, the less you're going to be able to pull those things out. So I won't go over to Mark Gospel because I want to see some of the things that we will pull out in the Greek on here, as well as uh, there's some other things that I'll, I'll look at as well. You don't need to, I don't need to throw all these things out to you. But here, he says, now a leper came. This is interesting because when I went through to try and find out where is this miracle in the chronological order of Jesus' ministries. Because I want to know, if this man came believing that God could do something, how did he get faith to know that? What went on before? And so I was scouring everything that I could, trying to put this thing into a chronological order to find out where does this miracle fall in relation to the other miracles that we have recorded. We only have, I think, 19. I heard one person say 20, but I think it's 19 miracles that are recorded. Different miracles. Different ones record the same one. 
but we only had that many unique. And we know that in three and a half years, he had more than that. Uh, there were some groups of people that were ministered to, but there's a lot more individuals. In fact, the disciples even t- say that. If all the things that Jesus did were written down, we couldn't contain them all. So they picked certain ones. The Holy Spirit had them pick certain ones. There were other ones that went on. It is not a reach to say that there were more miracles in the area of healing that happened than we have recorded in the gospel up to this point. But still, I wanted to find out what's written in the Bible, what was recorded, what had occurred before this man came. Because Now a leper came. And as I was looking around for this, I found a couple of sources that put these things in the chronological order. And let me uh, move ahead to, to that spot. I'll just, I'll just give you those things. Oh, where did I put it? I know I put it in here somewhere. I have so many different translations coming up on mine. I'll give it to you later on when we come to it. I don't want to uh, go too far in that. But anyway, we will put this down. This, this verb is the historic present. How many are just blessed out of your socks knowing that? This verb is in the historic present. It pictures a past event with the vividness of a present reality. Because when I was going through and looking at the chronological orders of this, they were actually putting this particular thing uh, earlier on in the ministry than it seems like it belongs in this particular spot. The reason for it is because of the historic present in the Greek tense. They're saying we're at this point in Jesus' ministry, but we're going back a little bit. We're going back to this point. This is something that has happened. This is what has gone on. There was a leper that came to him. So it pictures a past event with the vividness of a present reality. Basically, if you wanted to translate this literally into English, it would come out like this. And there comes a leper. It's in the past, but it's written as a present. And there comes a leper. The word here, when it says there, le- uh, there comes a leper to him. You folks that come out on Wednesday or you folks that listen on Wednesday went through the spiritual armor series, you're going to be real familiar with this. Guess what this word is? The Greek word pros. How many remember pros? For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the word against in that is the word pros, which is a really unusual word to use for the word against when they have so many other options, so many other choices to use. What this word means is face to face. And what Paul is trying to get across there is you could be facing friendly forces in the area of spiritual armor. But anyway, that was the spiritual armor series. We're over here on this one right now. He says, a leper came to him, came face to face with Jesus. This is a leper. Lepers are not supposed to have contact with people. They're supposed to live outside of society, outside of the cities. They can be amongst themselves, other lepers, but they cannot interact with others. In fact, if someone who is not a leper approaches, the leper is supposed to say, unclean, unclean. They're wearing clothes that are torn. They have hair that is unkept. They're very easily distinguished as this is the person to stay away from. And Mark uses this word face-to-face, pros, close proximity. This leper came up to Jesus. He came down, bowed down, and worshipped him, but he came within close proximity of Jesus. 
If you are to say this, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So, when it says imploring him, this is an urgent appeal. This is basically, I'm begging you. How many have ever been to a place with God? You needed something so bad. I need this thing to come through. You are begging him. You have everything you can. You're, I'll worship. I'll praise. I'll do whatever I need to do. Please, I need this. In the name of Jesus, I need this to come through now. I need this to go away. I need this to come to me. Whatever it might be. Employing. That's, he is desperate. He is desperate. We'll find out in just a little while why he's so desperate, but we have to wait till we get to Luke's gospel. We're in Mark's gospel right now. He says, if you are willing, there are two words in the Greek that mean to be willing. Two, two words. One is, Thelo, and Thelo means to desire, a desire that comes from one's emotions. Everything in you emotionally wants this thing. I so desire this thing. I just, I hunger for this. I want this thing. My emotions are involved. I, it gets me to that point of begging when I don't have it because I gotta get this thing. That's the first word. Thelo. The second word is Bolomai. Boloma, which is a desire that comes from one's reason. This is one where, all right, I want this, but it's because I have reasoned out that this is good for you. I'll give you an example that probably would fit in there. You go to the grocery store, and you go by the baked goods section, and you see the donuts and the pies, and everything in you desires the pies and the and the sweet treats that are there, the cookies. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have a desire. But then you walk by the vegetables section. And you see the avocados. I know I'm supposed to eat more of those. And so you reason out. I know that I should should eat those. And so that you have even built... A, now, I have a desire for avocados. I don't know about you all, but I love avocados. I don't know why. It makes absolutely no logical sense why in the world would I like this green vegetable that is mushy, that really has nothing substantive to it, but I love them. In fact, if I'm in a restaurant and they say for 70 cents, we'll put some slices of avocado on your... Do it. Come on. Bring me the avocados. I don't care what it is. I had eggs one time. They said, we'll put avocados on it. I said, yeah, let's go. I'm with you. I don't care. Avocados taste better on everything. I have gone out of my way to go to a hamburger joint that would put avocados on the burger. I love avocados. I don't know why. It makes absolutely no reasonable sense. But I do. Guacamole. Mm-mm-mm. That's a meal for me. Just give me some guacamole, some chips. I'm ready. I don't need nothing more. But you see, there's some things that we reason out. This is what I should do. This is what I should have. There's other things that just, in me, there's a desire. That's the two words. We got that? The word that is used here, if you are willing. Jesus, he's saying, if you are willing. The word that he uses here is the first word, selo. If you desire with all your emotions. He's not asking him to reason this thing out. He says there's no reasonable reason... For you to want to do this, I'm just asking you. If you can find it in your heart, if you can find that emotion inside you, that emotional attachment, not to me, but just to, to doing this thing, would you help me? He's playing on Jesus' emotions. That's why sometimes your translations say things like, Jesus moved with compassion, because this word, say low, is used. 
if you are willing. I was looking around for a quote today, uh, this morning, for the bulletin. I was wanting to get one around the area of willing. You saw the one that I put in there. But I was looking around and I came up with one. I'm not going to tell you who said this. I like the guy who said it. I don't like the quote. I read the quote. It said, what you are willing to walk away from determines what God will bring you to. I heard that. It says, it just, it just didn't fit with me. It sounds good. It sounds like oh, I could get excited about that. Yeah, I'm ready to walk away from this. But I'm thinking, no. No, that is, that is a wrong quote. Why does he say that? Because if you look at it, Solomon and Jeroboam, they walked away from true worship. And um, that didn't open up God to, to send anything to them. Saul walked away from obeying what God said to do. He walked away from this, waiting the seven days. He walked away from destroy all. He walked away from it. That didn't open the door for God to do things. To. David walked away from God and going after Bathsheba. And then killing her husband. The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus from the call that he gave him. You gotta be careful of quotes. Sometimes they stir us up. You get emotional about the quote. Oh, I like that quote. <laughs> I've had that a lot of times when I'm looking for quotes for the, for the Sunday thing. I say, oh no. I like this person who does this, but I'm not sure about that quote. There was one that came up on Facebook. I put a comment. I don't always put comments up, but I felt like I was going to on, on this one. If you saw me, this was by Derek Prince. I like Derek Prince. I, I don't listen to him. I can't think the last time it was I listened to him. But I remember listening to him in the past. He used to come on the radio and I would hear him. And I enjoyed some of the teaching that is there. But he had somebody put up a quote about him. It said this, When praise ascends to God, it silences Satan. It silences his accusations. It stops his mouth. And we have free, unhindered access to God. I couldn't let that go. That is a horrendous quote. That quote is so unscriptural, it just made me jump on the inside. I said, I cannot believe that someone who's grounded in Scripture would say that. Let me ask you this question. What silence is Satan, the accuser of the brethren? You all know what, what does it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The work of Jesus on the cross. That's what silences him. Nothing that you do silences Satan's accusations. Only what Jesus did. Isn't that right? If you switch over and go over to the side that something you do silences Satan, you are in the area of works righteousness. You see how easy it is to slip into that? Now something that you do has an effect upon Satan's work against you instead of the blood of Jesus. I'm not reading into that. That's what the thing says. The Word of God says, what is needed to make atonement between us and God? What is needed to make peace between us and God? We go through it every month. It's called communion. What do we remember? That the blood is all we need. Before it was the blood of bulls and goats. That's what made the, uh, made the appeasement. But now we had the blood of Jesus and that washes it away. We are redeemed. We don't need anything else but the blood of Jesus. Do you see how easy it is for the enemy to sneak something in? And begin to add to? No, there is nothing but the blood. Don't buy into anything else. That's what this quote did. That's what this person... Now, Derek, he's probably got a lot of good things. I have not heard him in years. I don't... I just, I just haven't pursued it. 
I know I used to hear him on the radio. Then when that stopped, I, I never really went after. You may have heard uh, Brother Derek, and he may be teaching some great things, and you're, you're, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying this one quote I saw, and it sounds really good. Get into praise. Oh, praise God. Isn't it good to praise God? Yeah, but that's not what praise does. Understand what praise does. Understand what the blood does. Don't mix it up. You've got to be careful of some quotes. Always make sure that you, that you listen. My wife always likes to play this game with me. She'll always say, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> She'll give me the quote. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who said it yet because she knows that will probably bias me. <laughs> but one time she gave me this thing that somebody said they were going to do. And I thought, I, I was sure that she said Marty. I was sure that she said Marty. Brother Marty, you know, he's been out here at church. So I said, well, if it was him who said it, I would expect that it's going to go in the lines of this, 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 and this. And so that was it. We left it to that. Then later on, I found out it wasn't him. It was somebody else. I said, oh, if they said it, there's, all, there's no whole bars. And I don't have no idea which way they're going. They could be going some very unscriptural way. But Marty, he's not going to go in an unscriptural way. I know if he said that, then he's got some way he's going there in the, in the scripture. But if so-and-so said it, no, that's probably not the case. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you, you just know the, the, the um, if a person is grounded, then you hear what they say. All right, well, they're, they're pretty grounded. I'm, let's find out what they, they say. So I'm not sure why Derek got into that. But no, it's the blood of Jesus that, silence the, that silences the accuser. Now it says here, you can. You can make me whole. This comes from the Greek word dunamai. Everybody knows what dunamai is, dunamis. To have power to be able. This leper does not doubt that Jesus is able to do it. He has probably heard of the reports from Capernaum where Jesus just was. And Jesus apparently did some great miracles in Capernaum, not all of which were recorded. But for some reason, he kind of doubts that he will do it for him. It may be, well, you might do these miracles for other people, but I don't know that you're going to do it for me. You can make me clean. Now, that word there for clean, or that's later translated cleanse, it is used always to describe the healing of leprosy. Every time that you see somebody healed of leprosy, it is used using the word cleansed. It's the same word that is used when someone is cleansed from sin. It's the same word that is used when someone goes in to clean to wash their hands. The same word that, that Jesus would use when he's talking about the uh, cleaning and the washing and, and so forth. This is the word that is used. But it is always used of a leper. In fact, when he comes, he does not come and say, will you heal me? He comes specifically and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Because as far as a leper was concerned, you needed to be cleansed of the, the, the affliction. That needed to be cleansed out of your system. And they did a whole lot of things in the law to, uh, to try and work around that. Let's go over to Luke's gospel. This is what I want you to see from Luke. This is another detail that we didn't get from Matthew. We didn't get from Mark, but we get it from Luke. And it happened, verse 12, Luke 5, 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy, full of leprosy. This is telling you right here, this is the doctor. This is Dr. Luke. He's going to see things like a doctor would see it. You know, if you have somebody in the profession of nursing or doctors 
and they encounter something in the healthcare area, they will have a different view. They will observe different things than people who didn't have those, those things going on. But he said this man was full of leprosy. That means it wasn't something that you had to examine real closely to find out, are they a leper? They were full of leprosy. They probably had it affecting their face, their arms, their hands, their feet, their legs. All over, this thing is affecting them. All over. This, he is full of leprosy. So this tells us what kind of condition he was in. This man is desperate. If you are full of leprosy, it is eating apart a, a lot of your body. You are close probably to death. He doesn't want to die. A man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now notice this here in this, this passage. You will see that he saw Jesus. The blind man didn't see Jesus. He heard that Jesus was here. He heard it. This man saw it. He didn't, he didn't hear anybody saying, Jesus is there. Jesus, that means somehow this man has been around some meetings, saw Jesus, found out who, who is that guy leading the meeting? Who is that guy ministering down there? Oh, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Uh, what, where he's, he's from here, he's been going about, he's been doing some miracles, he probably told some things about what happened at Capernaum. And he's probably thinking, oh, I would love to get an audience with him, but I cannot in my condition go down into those meetings and present myself because I am a leper. But all of a sudden, he's out and about and he sees that Jesus is walking by. He sees Jesus. He recognized him. He didn't see him from the picture in the morning paper. He didn't see him because of the news report on Channel 10. He saw Jesus because he had spent in a meeting. He had seen him before. He was identified as Jesus. He knew who he was. He saw him without a crowd around him. He made a beeline for him. And he said, this is my only opportunity. Probably, if we get to heaven and we talk to this guy, he says, you know what? If I could have, I would have gone down front. I would have had him minister to me in the meeting that I saw. But I couldn't do it because of my condition. They would have stopped me before I even got there. But here he is. Jesus is by himself. He's thinking, anyone who ministers this way to people, got to have some great compassion on the inside of him for some people that need healing. And he saw him. He was close by and he just, I'm just going to throw everything out of this. I'm going to die anyway. And he begged and he worshipped. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, the law spends a good bit of time on what the priest ought to do in regards to those that are healed of leprosy. If you go over, write this down. I don't know if I put it in your outline. If I didn't, it's Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13 is the laws regarding the leper, the leper, what they're supposed to do, the isolation that they would go through, all the procedures, the checks, and things like that that they would have to go through in order to be declared clean. And if you get healed, there's a there's provision in the law. If you get healed, this is what you ought to do. These are the things you're supposed to go to the priest, present yourself, he's going to see. And then after that, they're going to have a little bit of isolation to make sure that everything is gone. And then uh, once you have been declared to be uh, 
offering, then there's going to be a sacrifice that you make, and this is what the law said. This is what Moses was told to write down. If you've been, I forget where it was, whether we were in Hebrews or what series we're in, we spent some time on this particular thing because all the priests from Moses' day up until Jesus' day, all the priests went through this training. What to do when a leper is being healed. And apparently, according to Jesus, no one was healed. Can you imagine spending all that time in the law to tell you what to do if somebody gets healed? But according to Jesus, where was that verse of scripture? I think I wrote it down here. Luke 4.27 And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. That's it. None of them were cleansed. Only Naaman. Can you imagine being a priest and going over all this stuff? I'll put it to you this way. Imagine being a tax accountant and there is a particular tax law that takes chapters to understand And every year we're graduating more people and we're teaching them about this tax law. But that tax law has never come into effect. No one has ever been able to use that tax law on their taxes. Can you imagine teaching it? Well, we're here to teach this section of the tax law, but I need to tell you ahead of time, no one has ever needed this section. But we're going to teach it to you anyway. And every time they're graduating more priests or they're teaching the priests what to do, they're showing this is what the Word of God says we have to do. Here it is. We're going through it. They're all saying, but no one's been healed. No one's been healed. Why do we need to know this stuff when no one's been healed? How many times have you been through high school, going through high school, going through English, going through math, going through geometry? Going through geometry, how many times have you gone through and said, I am never going to know what the square circumference of a triangle is. I am never going to have to find out what is the, the middle of this, of this line. Of this, I'm not, never going to have to do it. And for the most part, how many of you have been right? Well, only one person? Two pe- three people? Yeah. Now, most of the time we learn that stuff, we didn't need to do it. We could find other ways to, to get around it. But still, you were taught it. And when you were going through, how many of you were thinking, this is useless? I know I went through English and I said, I know, I know, I will never in my life have to break down the sentence. I don't need to know what the adverbs were. I don't need to know what the verbs were. I don't need to know what the nouns were. I don't need to know. So I took Greek. Now, I want to know what the verbs are. I want to know what the adverbs are. <laughs> it's totally changed. I want to know Greek adverbs. I want to know Greek verbs. I want to know Greek nouns. I want to know Greek, how they break them down. I want to know it all. English, I could care less. I do not care. I have never broken down an English sentence into all those forms. But we learned it. And we were thinking when we learned it, I'll never need this. Priests were learning these laws thinking, I will never need this, and they were right. Until now. We have no recording in the scriptures of any man being healed of leprosy before this man. I can't tell you that no one was. I can only tell you that we have no recording of it. There was one big meeting that occurred 
I know I put this in your outline somewhere, but I don't know where I put it. I, haven't, I was trying to find it for you. But I, I'll just give it to you. I know where, what it is. This, in a chronological order, this is the seventh miracle in Jesus' ministry. This is the seventh miracle. This is the fourth healing in Jesus' ministry that is recorded. i got to emphasize that because I don't know what went on that's outside the Bible. It is the fourth miracle that we have recorded. It is, oh, there is also one healing meeting that occurred and that is recorded in Scripture. There may have been others, but there is one recorded, occurred in the evening. Seven, four, and one. This is the fourth time we have Jesus one-on-one ministering to healing to someone. What did this man use to build his faith that told him that Jesus could do something that no one had been able to do so far? What did he use? And I don't know. Something must have happened in that meeting that he saw. Because there is one recorded meeting in Scripture. One recorded meeting. It's in Luke's Gospel. I believe it's in Luke's Gospel. He must have seen that meeting. And he must have seen someone who had a condition that he felt like related to his. And he built faith on that. Because he said, I know you can do this. But it had never been done. It had not occurred. Jesus would go on and heal other people that were lepers. This is the first guy that we have recorded as far as the chronological order is concerned. If you are willing, I have no doubt that you have the ability to get this done. But I need to know if you are willing. You see, he had a general word or understanding that Jesus could or had done so But would he be willing to do it for me? He had a general word. He had a general understanding that Jesus could do this. But he did not have it that it was specific for me. You see, that's what he needs. He has a general word. I know that Jesus can do this. I don't know if he will do it specifically for me. He needed a specific understanding. That's what he had to get to. Now, there are people in the Word of God who did this, who developed this on their own. This man did not. He came to Jesus to develop it. The woman with the issue of blood, she developed it on her own. She had a general word. I see that people who touch Jesus' garment are healed. So, she developed that into a specific word for her. If I touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. She developed what was general into something specific for her. This man did not. This man had the general, but he did not develop it into something specific for him. He asked Jesus to do that. If you are willing, you can make me whole. You see the difference with that? There's a lot of times we as Christians, we're going out with the general, but we need something specific to get the victory. And we haven't spent time to do that. That woman, she did a masterful job. 
I love that that's in Scripture. I go over that Scripture all the time. I listen to some people, and they're on the woman with the issue of blood. You might think I'd be tired of the woman with the issue of blood. I have taught on it so many times. I have listened to so many people teach on it. And sometimes I'm just going on through, and I find somebody, oh, they're going to teach on the woman with the issue of blood. And I, I cue it right up, because I love that woman's faith. I wanted to get my faith like her. She took a general word, made it specific, and tapped into the anointing. That was, that's remarkable. This man does not make it specific on his own. He presents it to Jesus to do so. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, many believers know that the word promises something. But they wonder, will it really happen for me? Now, I gave you some room on your outline. You can, uh, you can check this out on your own. You will notice we haven't gotten very far, have we? I told you this was a deep dive. <laughs> that's all right. We got till, we got till Monday. Y'all don't go, go to work till Monday, right? There are, so I wrote down some things that keep people. You can write some of them down if they mean something to you. Maybe some of them don't. But first off, am I worthy? I know that God will do this for people, but am I worthy of God doing it for me? Have I got His attention? Is He willing to do these things for me? Have I made Him unwilling? Maybe I, I feel, feel like, well, I disobeyed. I just I haven't done what I should do. Am I, have I made Him unwilling? Do I have enough faith? That's always a question people like to ask. I don't know if I have enough faith for that. Am I doing something wrong? Am I not walking in something that God wants me to walk in? Am I not doing one of His commands? Is there something I'm not doing? Is there sin in my life that disqualifies me? How about this? Is the promise for today? Was that a promise that just for yesterday? There are people out there that teach that certain things are not for today. They were for before. Is the promise for today? Do I understand the Scriptures correctly? What if I get this understanding, but I'm, my understanding is wrong? I don't, I don't understand it right. What if that's the problem? Sometimes that will come on in. That will keep me from making what is general into something specific. Am I doing enough to qualify? What do, I, what do I need to do? I mean, there's got to be something I ought to do. Am I doing enough to qualify? These questions will come up. Notice none of those questions come into this story. Not a single one. Will it really happen for me? Let's go on to verse 3. Of, uh, Matthew chapter 8. Then Jesus put out his hand... And touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. This verse is astounding. But in the English, we don't see it. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Now you see all the characters, all the things that happen are in your English text. Everything is right there. But the English lacks some tenses that the Greek, Greek is so, you think learning English tense was bad? Why do you try and learn Greek? Tenses. Oh, man. Well, we have one tense for They got three. It's, it, it's a, it is such a descriptive language. So we're going we're gonna to get into this. I want to read it from, uh, from, from Mark's gospel. We're going to go over to Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. 
As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. That's Mark's rendition on it. Now, Weist will put this particular thing in there, that, that this man comes, this, this is in a passive, it's, it's a passive voice, what we have here, and it's translated correctly in English. Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus doesn't move the compassion. What the What is being described here is that Jesus was moved by the compassion. You all know what that, that passive voice is. Go back to English class, remember? Passive voice, you're learning it, you're saying, I'm never going to need it, now's the day. Passive voice. The subject of the sentence is acted upon. He's not doing the acting. The subject of the sentence, Jesus, is acted upon by the compassion. The compassion moved Jesus. Remember that now? It's all coming back to you? I'm amazed it's coming back for me. Then Jesus moved with compassion. He saw the pitiful state of the, he saw the, the, the bad state of the, uh, of the leper there, because he was really in, in bad shape. She, she loves stealing it. <laughs> that is her passion. <laughs> but he's, he looks down here and he sees how bad he looks because he is full of leprosy. He is full of leprosy. He's got it all over. His, his arms are eaten away. His fingers may be gone. His toes. Have you ever watched somebody walk who has their toes missing? You can kind of just see. They don't have the freedom. They're just kind of hobbling along. His toes are missing. His fingers are missing. He might have an ear that's gone. Part of his face is eaten away. Maybe he can't use one of his arms as much. And Jesus looks at him. And the compassion in Jesus moves him. He's moved with compassion to say, I am willing. Be cleansed. That word there, be cleansed, is not so much a past tense as a cleansing, as a one-time thing and once done. It's a continuing state of being cleansed. When Jesus cleanses them, it is done it is over. It will continue to have repercussions into the future. This cleansing takes place now, but it will continue to leave you cleansed. That's what it's saying. We don't have anything like that in the English. It's hard to translate when you don't have it. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Now, this is, this is the part that's, that's, um, kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, uh, Lissy, can you come up here for me for a minute? This is hard to describe in the English, so I'm going to try and describe it to you by acting it out and by, by showing it to you. There are three things that happen in this particular verse. It says, Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. That's the first thing. Stretched out his hand. Touched him. That's the second thing. Third thing is said. Three things that happen. Stretched, touched, and said. Now, in the Greek, the way this is described, the way that this is, is put in, that it actually has that the Jesus is in the process of reaching out his hand as he says, I am willing, be cleansed, so that the final act of these particular three things is the touching. Now, it's important to know because of this. It, it, it's kind of like he was down, he was, he was saying, and Jesus says, I am willing, 
be cle- I am willing to be cleansed. He is reaching out to, t- to touch him. He is saying, I am willing be cleansed. And as he reaches out, he says, be cleansed. He then touches him all in that instant. And by the time he touches him, wherever it is he touched him, I touched on her forehead, but wherever he touched him, wherever it was done, by the time he reached out and a man full of leprosy, full of leprosy, Jesus is reaching out. The Greek is so fun on this. The way it's, I don't, I'm probably not doing it justice, but he is reaching, he is speaking, he is just about to touch. It is all in the same thing, but the touching happens last. And he says, I am willing, be cleansed, and he touches him. It is not legal by the Mosaic law for Jesus to touch a leper. We're not talking the pharisaical law, we're talking the Mosaic law. We're not talking laws that they made up and added on. We're talking about laws that God gave to Moses that they are still under. For Jesus to touch a man full of leprosy is wrong. You understand that? It is wrong. All right, thank you. But I need you to see, all this is going on at the same time. In the Greek, the way that it is worded, it is all happening at the same time, but the touching happened at the end. And he said to him, I am willing. See, the, he, he reached his hand and touched him. It sounds like he reached out, he touched him, and then he said. That's not how the Greek puts it, though. He said this before the touching actually occurred. But it's all happening kind of in one big thing. By the time he, from the time he said, be cleansed, to the time he touched him was milliseconds. Milliseconds. And he knows, Jesus knows, it is illegal for me to touch him because he is a leper. By Mosaic law. If the Pharisees wanted to accuse him of something, they had every bit to accuse him of right then. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Do you remember in the garden? They said, Jesus says to them, whom do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, remember what he said? Remember what Jesus said to him? He answered his answer. I am And when he said that, what happened? Power came out and they all fell backwards. There's also another miracle that happened in there. We've uh, talked about it sometimes in in the resurrection service. Remember the man who was running around with just a sheep? Yeah, he was dead. He wore what a dead man wore. And that power that came out of Jesus was so powerful, he hadn't been buried yet. And he came back alive. That's how powerful it was. He said, I am he. And the power that went out from there was so powerful, it knocked all those soldiers down and raised that man up so that he's wandered around with just that covering on. That's why he's naked in the, in the, in the garden there. They were, they were getting ready to bury him, but just haven't gotten around to it yet. And now they won't have to. That power came out because he said, I am he. It's the same thing that's happening here. Be cleansed. That power comes out and BAM! 
by the time Jesus' hand rests on his head, he is cleansed. Look what he says here. I am willing to be cleansed as soon as he had spoken. Not touched. Not touched. As soon as he had spoken. You see, the Greek people know, the people who are reading this in the Greek where it's written, they know the speaking happened first, the touching happened next. It was all very, very close together, but the speaking happened first. As soon as he spoke it, not when he touched them, when he spoke it, as soon as he said, be cleansed, he was cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, this word here left, this word here left is a fun little word. Listen, come on up here again. I'm going to ask you again to do something. I want you to, to see something. Lissy and I right now, we are together. We are together. We are in the same space. We are connected. If Lissy goes back this way and I go out this way and she keeps going and I keep going, we have lift. You see, she is going away from me. I am going away from her. It could even work that if she was the only one going away from me. Left. That's what it is. Okay, you can leave and go back to your... <laughs> There's a, there's a leaving that is there. When it says here in this, in this word, in this, this part here, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left, there was a separation that was there. I think I gave you uh, some of the Greek word on this. Did I do that somewhere? I have so many notes on this. And it's all, all Greek stuff. There it is. It's just a little bit further on down. When it says the leprosy departed, the word there is translated it's from the word apercoma. Apercoma. To go off from or to separate. To go off from or to separate. It is a compound word. It comes from the Greek word. You'll see how this works. From the Greek word apo, which means off. And the Greek word erkomai, which means go or come. So it basically means to go off or to come off. That's what this word is, is using. It is used of the disciples who no longer wanted to follow Jesus because his teaching was too hard. And they left him. It also is used of the rich young ruler who when Jesus said, come follow me, was too hard and he left, he departed. That is what this word is. This word is used many other times in Scripture. I'm just giving you a couple of them here to, to help you out with that. They They left. So, if you missed this in your, in your outline, there are three things that happened, but the Greek construction indicates that they happened at the same time, or almost at the same time. The thing that happened with the, with the speaking was what happened last. But it was all in the same instant. It was all in the same thing. As far as the order was concerned, the, the speaking, I'm sorry, the touching was what happened last. The speaking had occurred, and as soon as he had spoke is when the healing occurred. Milliseconds in between. How many have you been waiting for weeks for a healing? And Jesus is expecting this healing of this severely, um, this person was so severe, full of leprosy. He expects this healing to occur as soon as he speaks it, so much so that he is ready to touch him and break the law. But you see, if he's cleansed, he wouldn't be breaking the law. 
So he took his general word, his general understanding, he made it specific, and it worked. This man received it. As others, we told you about the, the ones that did this on their own. If others can do it, so can I. So can you. Let me read uh, Wiest on the 41st verse in Mark. And having been moved with compassion, having stretched out his hand, he touched him and he says to him, I desire it. Be cleansed at once. Be cleansed at once. Now, if you're going to take what this man, what this man couldn't do and what the woman with the issue of blood did, if you are going to take and take what is general in the word and make it something specific for you, you will not get there by mere imitation. You cannot just imitate what other people do. You have got to get it down on the inside of you like that woman had it down on the inside of her. I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. We've gone over that verse, those verses before. Other people around her said, don't get your hopes up. You don't put everything in, the, in this basket. You've been disappointed before. I know, I know, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She had made this specific for her. She was not imitating anybody. She knew it. When you can get to that place, when you take something that is general, you make it something specific for you, and you are not merely imitating anybody, this is on the inside of you. I know I am healed. I know I am provided for. I know this is the way that it is. When you know it, that's when it happens. Now, Jesus is saying, I am willing. Apparently, that was the only question. Be cleansed. And he is so convinced that what he just spoke is going to happen. That he reaches out his hand. And in an instant after he says, be cleansed, he touches the unclean man. Weiss puts it this way in verse 42. And immediately there left him completely the leprosy and he was cleansed. There was no gradual healing here. This man was cleansed. I do not know if he was restored. Remember the one, uh, one leper? They were, they were there and the, the ten of them, they went away and they were cleansed. But one was restored we didn't know that the other ones were restored. I don't know that he was restored. We only know that he was cleansed. And immediately they left him completely. It is a complete leaving. It has gone. All that infection, all that stuff that was in there eating his body, it left. It was gone. It went in another direction and separated itself from him. Verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, I read over some stuff on this. A couple of different people break down the Greek who are saying that what Jesus is saying here, he is bordering on angry. Isn't that interesting? He's just moved with compassion, and now he's bordering on angry. And he says, See that you tell no one. So don't hear this this way when he says this. See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest. No, 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 no. That's not how he does this. How he does this is this. He lays his hand on him 
after he says, be cleansed. And then he looks at him sternly. And he says, see that you tell no one, but go to the priests and show yourself and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to him. He is stern. He is kind of like Mama when you were little. And she says, do not go out into the street. And then you go out in the street, what happens? You see the fire in Mama's eyes. You hear her coming. You're out in the street and you're thinking, I'm a dead man. <laughs> right? This is, the, this is what he's doing. He loves, he loves the man. He's moved with compassion for him. But he is telling him. There's, there is a sternness that is here that is in the Greek text, that is in the Greek wording. He could have chosen softer words. He didn't. Why is this important? Why is this important? If you are the man, you just got healed. You are near death. You are full of leprosy. And now in an instant, it is gone. How excited are you? How excited are you? And Jesus says what? See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded. Three things. We often focus on the telling part, but there is also some others. There is the showing and the offering. There's the telling, there's the showing, and there's the offering. No telling. Go show and then be offering. That's what he's saying to him. No telling. Go show. Be offering. That's what I need you to do. That's what I need you to do. My understanding of the importance of the command qualifies my need to obey it. This is unfortunately where many people are in the Christian walk. My understanding of the importance of the command qualifies my need to obey it. When God said, when God said, this is how you are to operate. This is what you are to do. And I said, well, I don't know if that's so important for today. I don't know how, much, how big of a deal that is for today. I mean, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's not such a big deal for today. Right? We're in today. How many people have you heard qualify why they're living the way they are, why they're with the people that they are, why they're doing the things that they are, all the, they're, and they're just, well, you know, that's not for today. That was before. This is today. My understanding of the importance of the command qualifies my need to obey it. This man did not understand the importance of what Jesus was telling him to do. And that qualified his need to obey it. He still got healed. Now Mark gives us the rest of the story here. We don't get the rest of the story over in Matthew. Mark gives us the rest of the story. And he strictly warned him, Mark chapter 1, verse 43, and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest 
and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony. So there's no confusion here. Matthew said it this way. Mark says it exactly the same way. See that you say nothing to anyone. So if there's anyone you meet on the street, what are you supposed to say? Nothing. Isn't it pretty clear? Say nothing to anyone. So if you run into somebody and they are in anyone, what are you supposed to say to them? Nothing. Nothing. But go show, go, go your way. So he's expecting there to be some anyone's on his way, isn't he? There's going to be some anyone's along your way to go and do what I said to do. But say nothing to all the anyone's you run across. Go your way. And show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, we're not in a meeting right now. How many people heard this? How many people heard what Jesus just said? As far as we know, the man did. The disciples that are around him. And I can't tell that there's anyone else and more than likely there isn't because... This man wouldn't have approached if there was a crowd. So how many witnesses do we have about what Jesus said? Just the people that are in his posse. Verse 45, however, <laughs> it's never good. He went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. Now this word here to publish is to make a public proclamation. It's the infinitive in the present tense which speaks of continuous proclaiming. He didn't go into the town square and declare it, and then go and make his way over to the priest, he went to the gate. He went to the restaurant. He went to the bar. He went to the town square. He went home. He went to his friend's house. He went to anybody he could, and he's proclaiming it. Hey, y'all got to know what happened. I'm healed. I'm healed. He is going all over the town, declaring, proclaiming, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. Who do you think is hearing this? priests who have been trained on what to do when a leper becomes healed. They've never really been able to do anything with their training. But here's a man who's been healed of leprosy. And they may be looking, did he come talk to you? No, I don't I mean, No, no. Let's go see if he was over at the spot. If they talked. No, he didn't talk to us either. Really? He's over there in the town, town square going door to door telling everybody he's healed. He's healed. However, he, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter. Not only did he proclaim it freely, but to emphasize this, he said, and to spread the matter. So he is proclaiming for the intended purpose for this to be spread all around the town. What happened to say 
nothing to anyone. Now, let me read this one more time for you. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. If you have a Bible that you can write in, I want you to circle that word, the. If you don't have one you can buy that you can write in, Brother Hagin used to always tell us, if you don't have one you can write in, throw it out and get one you can. <laughs> circle that word, the. It is not in the Greek text. There is no article in front of city. What this means is what Mark is writing down and what we almost miss because of this word being in there is that Jesus could not enter any city. Not the city. He could not enter any city because this man did not just proclaim it around in his city. This man proclaimed it around in every city in the area so that Jesus could not enter into any city. Can you see we have a problem? So he's outside in deserted places. When you first read it, when I first read this, I'm thinking, all right, well, Jesus wanted to go into the city where the people were instead of having the people come out. But people would come out to still hear him. But now people have to come out to hear in the deserted places. He would rather probably go into the cities. But there is something else that probably is in play here. Because Jesus is prepared to go to war with religious people over matters of religion. But he is not prepared to go to war with religious people over matters of Moses' law. He knows he didn't break Moses' law. But this man proclaiming it the way that he does, people are going to think that he broke Moses' law. Most people don't care. But there are a certain group of people who do care. You know who they are? The priests. And there was a rift almost from the beginning between Jesus and the religious leaders. Very likely is because of this man. Because he proclaimed it freely. And the rumor got started. Jesus touched a leper. And healed him. But he touched a leper. Jesus has no regard for the Mosaic law. And how can Jesus defend it? Because what he did was not before a lot of witnesses. It was before his disciples, probably at best. And this man. And so, right off the bat, we have a rift that Jesus was trying to avoid. Because if he had done what Jesus said and he had gone right to the priest and showed himself to the priest that he was clean, then they would have known, why'd you know to come here? Jesus sent me. And he told me to make the sacrifice. They would have known right off the beginning that Jesus honored the Mosaic Law. Instead, right off at the beginning of his ministry, they thought that Jesus did not. That's why Jesus, with a very stern and almost angry voice, said, Do not say say nothing to anyone. That's how he said it. Say nothing to anyone. Verse 45, according to Weiss translation, 
But having gone out, he began to constantly proclaim in a public, in public a great deal and to be blazing abroad the account so that no longer was he enter, able to enter a city, but was outside in uninhabited places and they kept on coming to him from everywhere. They just kept coming. They just, wherever Jesus was, they kept coming to him. But the rift between him and them was going on. There was a telling, there was the showing, there was the offering, and the man didn't do it. Luke reads it this way, verse 14, 514, But he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He was out in the deserted places because of what had, this man had done. Let me read to you Williams 43 through 45 in Mark. But Jesus at once drove him out of their presence and gave him this stringent charge. See that you tell nobody a single word about it. Be gone. Show yourself to the priest and prove it to the people. Make the offering for your purification, which Moses prescribed. But he went out and began to publish it so much and to spread the story so far that Jesus could not anymore go into any town openly, but had to stay out in thinly settled places. But the people kept coming to him from every may have been one of the reasons why we find Jesus out in the wilderness with people so often because of this particular incident. Maybe why all three carried it because they knew this change in direction of what Jesus wanted to do. Now Matthew and Luke follow this up with the centurion's request but we know it was a couple of days before the centurion's request came to Jesus after this incident. Mark follows it up with the rooftop paralytic. You want to know some of the miracles that happened before? First off, Jesus turned water to wine. Second one was Jesus heals the nobleman's son in Capernaum. Third, Jesus drove out the evil spirit from a man in Capernaum. Fourth, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law sick with fever. Next, Jesus heals many sick and oppressed at evening. That's the main, the big meeting. The first miraculous catch of fish in the lake of Gunnerset was was next, and then comes this cleansing of a man with leprosy. Of course, there are many miracles that were not done there. But as we talked to you before, a friend of Jesus is one who does what he asks regardless of three things. Regardless of three things I'm going to give you here. A friend of Jesus is one who does what he asks regardless of, first off, their understanding of its necessity. If you are a true friend of Jesus, it does not matter if you understand why a thing is important. If Jesus said to do it, you do it. If Jesus tells you in the morning, I want you to get up at 6 a.m. and pray. Yeah, well, 6.15, okay. I mean, is, is, it, is 15 minutes really a big deal? Understanding of its necessity. I don't care if I understand the necessity. If you said to do it, I'm going to do it as you said. Third, or Second thing, agreement of its importance. There are some times that Jesus will tell you things, and I don't agree that it's important. 
Remember when the man was told to go wash in the Jordan River? The other man was told to go wash in the, in the pool? What if they both said, well, I don't, I don't want to wash there. I'll wash over here. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily important for me to do it there. I can, just, I can wash here. Understanding of its necessity, agreements of its importance, and third, proficiency with its difficulty. How good are you at doing what it is he said to do? Well, I know you asked me to do that, but I'm really not very good at that. I, I, I just don't think that one's for me. I'll be willing to do other things, but I don't know if I can do that one. I'm not very good at doing that. A true friend of Jesus will do what he says regardless of my proficiency with its difficulty, agreement of its importance, or understanding of its necessity. Now, I want you to see the progress of the man that we saw in a very short period of time. Here's the progress this man went through. First off, this man went from knowing what Jesus could do. Isn't that where you started? He knew what Jesus could do. I know you can heal me. I know you can cleanse me. I know if you're willing, you can. I know what Jesus could do. He went on from knowing what Jesus could do to discovering what Jesus would do. I am willing. Be cleansed. He went from discovering what Jesus would do to determining what Jesus should do. I'm sure none of us have been in that boat that we have determined what Jesus should do. Well, I think if I was God, I would do it this way. Well, if I was God, I would heal this one, but I wouldn't heal that one. We know what Jesus should do. This is where this man went. He went from being humble, teachable. He went from being in a place where he, he was in faith and believing to a place of pride, knowing better than God and doubting that what God said, what Jesus said really needed to be done. Do I really need to go show myself to the priest? No, I don't need those guys, those religious leaders telling me that I'm clear. I know that I'm clean. I know that what Jesus said is done. I know it. He went from knowing what Jesus could do to discovering what Jesus would do to determining what Jesus should do. You're going to have times in your life when you have questions of uncertainty. I am uncertain if God wants this for me. I am uncertain whether God would do this for me. I have questions of uncertainty. I know that God has done it. I don't know that He would do it for me. I am uncertain. And I have questions of uncertainty. And if you get to a place in your life when you're facing something, you have questions of uncertainty. First off, you need to ask for clarity. Ask for clarity. Just like this man did. Ask for clarity. Once you ask for clarity, you need to receive what is said. This man received what is said. He didn't fight it. Are you sure you're willing? I mean, I'm not picking up a willing vibe here. He didn't do any of that. Jesus said, I am willing. He received it. You need to receive it too. If you ask God, I'm not sure if you're, if you're willing and He shows you, I am willing, you better receive it. I gotta do that. So first off, ask for clarity. Secondly, receive what is said. And third, do what is asked. Just do it. Don't try and judge its importance. Don't try and figure out whether you have what it takes to get it done. Just do what he said to do. How many people need or expect to be convinced at each step? Would you all stand up with me? We are not to live in this life questioning Jesus. 
about whether he'll do something. Remember, questions that get his attention, they don't, they're not filled with doubt. They're filled with faith. They believe. I hope you learned some things from this story. It's a very short story. But I hope you learned some things that can help you in, in your life and what you're, what you're facing. If you're in a place where he is and you know what God could do, but you're not sure if God would do it, and when God ministers to you on that, don't you get into the place where he did and you get into a place where you know what Jesus should do. You should never be in that place. I am not in a, in a position to tell Jesus what he should do. I am not in a place to tell God what, how something ought to be done. I'm in a place to receive. I receive instruction. And I receive what he says to do. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you that you give us encounters like this. Not all of it was positive, but from all of it we can learn. We could probably see ourselves at all stages where this man was. Stage of desperation. Stage of faith in what God could do. The uncertainty about God's willingness. And then the determining after as to what he needed to obey. We need to learn what things didn't go so well and what things did. And pattern ourselves after those things that did. We're facing some things in life right now. We may be facing some things down the road. And we have a general understanding that has gotten us through to this point. But there is coming a day when what is a little too general needs to be made a little more specific. You're willing to teach us. Your Holy Spirit is here to reveal things to us. But we've got to give you the time. We've got to lend our ear to hear. We've got to stop being satisfied with just weak little words. Press in to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, we can take what was general and we can turn it into something for our life. And we can be one of those, like Jesus said of her, about her great faith. Well, that's where we want to be. Thank you for the help that you give us on this. She will speak to us. Take what is still a little too general in our life and hold it in to be more specific. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to ask you for something now, for something very specific. As we get to the end of the year, I'd love to hear your praise reports. I missed out on all of them today. So uh, I'll have to go back and, and uh, fortunately they're all written down. I'm going to do that or I'll, I'll listen to them because I was, heard the beginning part and I was really enjoying it and had a duck out for some things. But... For the next couple of weeks, I want you to be pondering some things. I want you to think back over the last year. I want you to think of some things in a couple of different areas of your life. First off, I want to think of your life at home. What has God done for you at home? What has God done for you in your life there? What has the Word done for you? What has miracles has God done? What things has He brought you through? I'm not talking about your entire life. Just talking, looking at this year. As you're getting to a spot, looking back over the year. Let's go back over the year. What's happened? like to just give praise for let people know God has worked for these the second thing I want you to look at is in your church what things have happened here that you want to give God praise for 
Maybe it's some interaction with some of the people that are here. Maybe it's some of the things that happened in a worship service. Maybe it's some ministry that had gone on. Maybe it's things that happened during the week. People calling you up and asking about you, helping you out with some different things. Maybe it's something that you learned. Maybe it was some, whatever it might be. There was something in there, something that ministered to you. You think back, and you know, oh, there was this worship service we were in. Or just the frame of mind I was in. And all oh, it just helped me so share those things because the people that are responsible on the other end can be edified on, on that as well. So we got a couple of weeks here. Spend some time thinking on that. And if you can't make it on the service but want to send something in, you can text it over to me. I make sure that I get it. I have a little little form that I fill out. I take all your I take your text just exactly as you send it to me. And I just copy and put it right on that form and I can just hand it off to the to the people that are there. It'll be exactly the way that you wrote it text that on over to me. If you don't have the text, you can email it over to me. I'll get it to you. Just get it in there before. You can't do it at uh, 9.55. <laughs> I may not be able to get that over there, but uh, if you get that to me before, I'll make sure that it's there, printed, and in their hands so that they can, they can read it. We appreciate the people that are, are reading those things off because it's important for us to know what's going on in other people's lives. This Wednesday, we take on our new series. I was thinking we had two weeks before we had our Christmas break, but that is not true. I looked in the calendar to make sure we have one. So we're basically just going to get it started here in the book of Ezra.